The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast are presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $100 to get $100 extra at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here in the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It's currently Tuesday, February 14th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Reichel, once again going solo for this pod. And just like last week, we have a lot of tournaments to go through because we have three, count them, three ATP events. we got to talk about Rotterdam, we got to talk about Buenos Aires, and we got to talk about Delray Beach. Should be a lot of fun, as there are a lot of matches to go through, and this is going to be the future and outrights episode. So we will be looking through the draws and the outrights, whether it involves the winner of the tournament, whether it involves the actual quarters. The point is we got a lot of bets and a lot of overall players to talk about. So get excited and strap in because it should be a pretty long episode. But before you get into any of that, do want to recap how we did on the last episode. Overall, we did well, ended up sweeping the lock and dog segment. For the lock, we had center to win in straight sets against Cressy and end up being a tiebreak in the first set. And center eventually broke. I believe Cressy was having some issues with his finger. And I'm not sure if that was a blister or what was going on there. But the point is, Cressy was having some type of medical issue with his finger in the second set. But Sinner didn't get broken the entire match. He provided enough pressure in order to eventually break through. And we ended up winning the lock there. And for the dog, we stuck with the over two and a half sets in Cordoba, and it finally paid off as we had over two and a half sets in the Coria and Baez match, and that got there, and that was definitely a nice winner. So, swept the board, and on top of that, uh, definitely a good way to wrap up the weekend. Uh, the problem was we did end up having no outrights win from the outright show. I actually realized when I was re-listening to the podcast that we recorded for the final I accidentally misspoke a couple of times about the odds that we had on Coria. I said 14 to 1 a couple of times. That was absolutely false. We actually had 20 to 1 on Coria. So hopefully you ended up hedging a little bit on Baez money line. I did. So I definitely still didn't make as much profit. I didn't perfectly hedge it down the middle, but I made something with Baez winning that match. But it was 20 to 1 on Coria, not 14 to 1. Either way, hopefully you hedged and hopefully you made some money. But unfortunately, Coria gave it a good run in the second set to push it to a third, but Baez was too strong, and Baez simply put just outplayed him for the entire third set. But either way, unfortunately missed out on the outrights, but did sweep the board in the lock and dog segment. So let's keep it rolling here for this upcoming week. And to go through uh, the tournaments in order, we are going to start off with Rotterdam, then we're going to get into Buenos Aires, and then we're going to have to get into Delray Beach. So we'll save America for last, but I do think since... The latest matches available for Delray are at roughly 8 p.m. Eastern, which is several hours after the last match is scheduled for Buenos Aires and for Rotterdam. As a result, I think it makes more sense to do Delray last. So starting off with uh, Rotterdam, we're going to get into the... I'm trying to think of the best way to do this. I think we'll start off with the regular outrights for the tournament, and then we'll transition over into the quarters. So starting off with... The actual tournament odds, uh, no surprise, you have Medvedev as the favorite to win this event at 
roughly plus 330. I mean, if you shop around, you can probably find better lines, but you can find plus 333. You have Sitsi Pass at plus 350, Rune at plus 750, Sinner at 8 to 1, Rublev at 8 to 1, Zverev at 11 to 1, Felix at 11 to 1. Herc has at eleven. Uh, Herc has sixteen to one. Sorry, uh, Dimitrov at twenty-five to one. Warenka twenty-eight to one, and that's basically it. You have a couple other guys you can maybe make a case for, maybe a Diminor, or you maybe say like Batista Goot, but I don't really see any serious long shots here making a run. So as a result, I'm going to stick with the main guys. So looking at the actual draws for these main players here in Rotterdam. Uh, starting off with Medvedev because he is the tournament favorite. His draw is manageable, to say the least. You're looking at his actual matchups. He has Fakina in round one. Fakina can be tricky at times. Medvedev should wear him down with his consistency. Then probably facing off against Zanshulp in the second round. Maybe Callus because Hallis has been pretty good so far in 2023. Uh, I think that Medvedev, though, should be able to get through. And then most likely facing off against Felix in the third match of his you can argue maybe Barreri can upset Felix because Barreri's been very good lately but I think Felix's serve will be the big difference in that matchup but you might see Medvedev against Felix in uh the quarters which should be very very entertaining uh so to go through the actual quarter odds uh starting off with that quarter that we just talked about uh once again no shock at all that Medvedev is favored to win the quarter uh, his odds though are okay they're even money give or take uh, after that, you have Felix at plus 275, Barreri at 550, Zanschulp at 9 to 1, Sonigo at 14 to 1, and then you have Fakina and Hallis. No offense to those two guys, but I'm not picking them to win anything. So Medvedev should be favored. I agree with that. Felix has been struggling a little bit early on in 2023, which is unfortunate because he was so good at the end of 2022. The problem is, do I think Medvedev is actually worthy of being even money? I don't think he is. I think Medvedev should be favored, but I really think it should be closer to like plus 130, plus 140, because Medvedev has been streaky as well, and we have seen him kind of falter more often recently than he did all of 2021. 2022 is pretty hit or miss for Medvedev, but a lot of the guys he lost to were top five guys. Had a couple of slip-ups, though, at the end of the year, losing to Rublev in the ATP Finals. He lost to Diminor in one of the last couple of tournaments that he was in. So I'm not exactly sold on the current form of the main guys in this quarter, but I do think Medvedev or Felix should win the quarter. I, I'm not going to make a case for Barreri or Zanschulp. Barreri's fun at 550, but I don't I don't think he's good enough to be Medvedev and Dash or uh, Felix, so I'm not going to pick him. Sonigo at 14 to 1. He's a very talented player. So I guess if I was going to take a serious long shot, it would be him. But in reality, I just see Medvedev against Felix in the quarters, and that's going to determine the actual uh, winner of the quarter. But I don't see much value in this section. Uh, if it was Medvedev at 140, 150, I might, I maybe would be tempted, but I don't think I'm going to. Felix is definitely capable of beating Medvedev, but. Once again, I am a bit concerned about how he's looked so far in 2023. And because of that, I think I'm staying away. 275, though, doesn't seem that bad for a guy who's basically a top 10 player. Did make it into the fourth round of the Australian Open before losing to Leshika. But at the end of the day, I think you're going to see probably Medvedev advance into the 
uh, semis. So I guess I'm leaning Medvedev to win the quarter, but there's no chance I'll bet it because the odds aren't great. I also realized that I forgot to mention the actual winners of this event in the past. So Felix won this event last year, beating Sitsipas in the final. Rublev won in 2021 against Fuksovics. You had Monfi winning back-to-back years in 2019 and 2020, beat Felix in 2020. Uh, Federer won in 2018 against Dimitrov. Uh, Sanga won against Golfen. Klezon won Cinderella run there in 2016 against Monfi. Uh, Yovorenko beat Burdich, and there you can go uh, beyond that. Uh, a lot of retired players beyond that. But if you wanted to go based on historical success, I guess Felix would be your option at plus 275 because he he won it last year and he made the final in 2020. So he has made a couple of deep runs. That does kind of sway me a little bit because he is comfortable here. You know what? I think I'm not going... I told you I wasn't going to take Medvedev anyway because I didn't think the odds were there. I probably would consider having a sliver on Felix to get a guy who's been in the final of this event twice to make the semis at plus 275. I think it's a pretty good deal. So I think Felix is probably the best value play there in the third quarter. Now, moving on to Sitsipas at 350 uh, to look at his draw. Uh, he's obviously on the other side of the bracket than Medvedev is. Uh, but looking at uh, Sitsipas, he has a matchup against Rusevori, followed by Sinner. Most likely in the second round. No offense to Bonzi, but I think Sinner's going to win. The question is if Sinner's going to be fatigued after winning in Montpierre. Uh, so I think he should be fine. Uh, he didn't really drop a set in the entire event, and there was a walkover in there. So Sinner should be fine, but that should be a fun matchup. A rematch of the Australian Open, uh, which ended up going five sets, which Sitsipas won. I think as a result, there's really no value on Sitsipas. Like, I want to make a case because I did really like how he played in the Aussie Open before Djokovic beat him. But you can't be plus 350 and have to face off against Sinner in the second round. Expect me to actually find value with that option. So I'm going to pass on Sitsipas. That draws a little bit too difficult. If it was Sinner in the quarters, maybe. But Sinner in the second round, that I can't take. So Sitsipas, I'm going to pass on. And Sinner, I'm going to pass on as well. Rune is interesting because he just lost to Cressy in the semis in Montpierre. He was fine. Cressy was serving like a madman. I believe he was at 74% first serve. And if you're against Cressy, you're just not going to win if he had 74% of his first serves. But looking at Rune's draw, it is very favorable. He faces off against Les Tien, then probably Husler, and then either Zverev, Kwan, Greekspor, or Yemmer. Rune does have a pretty solid path, so I have to at least acknowledge it. Now, he would have to face off against Sitsipas or Sinner in the quarters, but you can cross that bridge and you cross that bridge. The point is, I do think at the end of the day, you're looking at a guy who could... Sorry, I misspoke. They'd have to face off against Sitsipas in the semis. But I think the path is there for a pretty solid run by Rune here, and I do think that he should, keyword should make the quarters, because uh, I think he should beat Lestien, he should beat Husler. So if I'm looking at actual odds here uh, to win the title, 750 for Rune is really not bad, and I think that based on the overall draw, that probably is a great value play, because you're basically penciling him in automatically to make the quarters. But I do think Rune has some value at 750. Uh, moving on, you have Rublev at 8-1. to one. I mentioned how I'm basically skipping center because he's facing off against Sitsipas in the second round, and there's no chance I'm going to find value there. Now, looking at Rublev, uh, his draw is interesting. It's not easy. It's not difficult. I'd say it's middle ground. But you're looking at 
His first matchup against Diminor, which is never easy. I think Rublev should win, but you can make an argument Diminor can uh, do enough to keep the ball in play and force Rublev into a bunch of errors. Then most likely, uh, Cressy. You can argue Rithoven, but eh, he's a wild card because the tournament's in the Netherlands. But Rithoven has really not been great besides that championship that he won on grass last year. Uh, but I think that Cressy should win there. You could argue about fatigue. Maybe he drops because of fatigue. But the point is, I do think Cressy is the better player, and I do think Cressy should be in a good spot to get the job done in that matchup. Cressy's not easy, though. I could see him beating Rublev. I think that you could see a couple of breakers, and you never know with Cressy if he serves very well. So I'm going to stay away from Rublev. Facing off against Diminor and Cressy in the first two rounds aren't exactly ideal for an 8-1 to shot. I'm going to pass there. Zverev's odds are insane. Like, There's no way Felix should have the same odds as Zverev at 11-1. to Am I supposed to be impressed that Zverev won in five sets against Varius in the Australian Open and then lost to Momo in the sec? Am I supposed to be impressed by that? Like, I don't know why Zverev is anywhere near the 11 to 1 range. These that That's definitely the worst odds of the entire tournament. Zverev should be closer to even like 30 to 1 at this point. I don't have any faith in Zverev physically to hold up for an entire week. So I have no interest in Zverev at all. Felix at 11 to 1 is quite tempting. Uh, I mentioned, though, I do think that Medvedev's going to make it to the semis, but 11 to 1 for a guy that's the defending champion who also made the final a couple years ago, I think's got a lot of value there. So I would probably put a small piece on Felix. I would put a bigger piece if he was in the same form as last year. But then again, you probably wouldn't be getting the same odds at 11 to 1 if he was in the same form as last year, which is the trade off. So I'll look at Felix for a little bit. At 11 to 1, I think there's some value there. The, now, the question is do I like any long shots hypothetically? Herc has it 16 to 1 is interesting. He's a very good server. Uh, Rotterdam, though, does play a little bit slower for hard courts. Montpierre was insanely fast. Uh, Rotterdam's a lot slower, which is why if you look at who's won this event in the past, it has been a lot of pretty good overall ralliers uh, with. Uh, for example, you have Rublev, Monfi won it twice, Sanga won it, Klezon managed to win it, Awarenka won it, uh, Del Potro won it, Burdich won it. They have decent serves, but you don't exactly need to be Isner in order to win this event. So I do think you'll end up seeing ralliers have some success in this event compared to what we saw in Montpierre. And I know that Sinner is a good rallier too, but the point is you saw how dominant Cressy's serve was against Rune, and Rune never stood a chance. It, I think it's definitely a better hardcore for ralliers like Rune to succeed in. If I was going to make a case for a long shot, Dimitrov looked good yesterday, but Karatsev's fallen off a cliff. I believe he's outside the top 100 again. So I think that's mostly based on Karatsev being uh, underwhelming at this stage in either his career or the season because he doesn't look good. Uh, Herc, as I mentioned, it's 16-1, to 1, but to look at his overall draw... Uh, from what I recall, it's not great. He faced off against Batista Good in round one, followed by Dimitrov in round two, uh, then potentially Rublev in round three. So Herkaz is a pass. It's also why I'm skipping on Rublev, though, because I didn't even mention he might have to go against uh, Diminor, Cressy, and then Herkaz. Not fun for Rublev. He might get through it, but there's no chance I'm taking that at 8-1. to one. I think that's going to wrap it up for my outrights. I don't really have any serious long shots, 
I wanted to make a case maybe for like Zan Schulp, but no, not really. I don't think he's good enough. Uh, Batista Goots passes prime. I can't take him. I will make a case for one guy, though, that I actually am tempted to make a, a decent run here. And he actually won an ATP event earlier in 2023 on hard court. It's going to be Quan. I think Quan actually has a pretty good path here. And he's playing Zverev in round one. Zverev, once again, got... Uh, sent into a war against Varius, who's a clay specialist, and then lost to Mamo. Quan's good, though. I think Quan's a good player. And if you want to talk about one of my favorite long shots of this event, you can get Quan to win the quarter at 8-1. to one. I think that has value. I mentioned how the tournament should definitely do well for ralliers, and Quan's a good rallier. Facing Zverev in round one isn't ideal, but once again, Zverev is still working his way back from a serious injury to his leg or his foot. And I don't think Zverev is fully there yet. I think that what he showed at the Australian Open left a lot to be desired. And I think Quan is definitely capable of beating him. So 8-1 to one on Quan to win the second quarter, I think is quite tempting. If he goes up against Rune, you can hedge. Uh, that's definitely a possibility. But Quan, I think, has the talent to make a surprising Cinderella run here. And if Quan made it to the quarters, I would not be shocked. So that's going to be my Cinderella option. Give me Quan at uh, 40 to 1. Uh, let me just see quickly if I could find odds that are better than 40 to 1. I really do like that 8 to 1 bet, though, on him to win the quarter. I think that's a very solid price. Uh, you can find 50 to 1 on Quan. I'll take that. Give me the 50. Quan's uh, a player that I like. And from what I've seen in 2023, I know he lost in the first round of the Aussie Open to Eubanks. It was after an immediate championship in a smaller tournament, so fatigue played a factor there. He lost in five. But I know Quan's good enough to make a run, and I think he's good enough to beat Zverev. And I think as a result, these Zverev odds really, really seem off, and that's going to create extra value for other guys in the quarter. Give me Quan. I think he can jump up and beat Zverev, and I think that he could give Rune a run for his money if Rune even makes it that far since he had a pretty decently long tournament run last week in Montpierre before losing to Cressy in the semi. So my three outrights for Rotterdam are for, to win the tournament are going to be on Rune at plus 750, Felix at a small bet at 11-1 to 1, just based on the fact that his odds should not be the same as Verev's on principle. And then I'm going to also go with the long shot of Quan at 50-1. to 1. Uh, besides that, though, then it's going to wrap it up for this tournament. I actually see Rune at 8 to 1. So I'll take Rune at 8 to 1 instead. Now, moving on to uh, Buenos Aires, you have a very, very fun clay tournament in store. Uh, the defending champion is uh, Rude. Uh, before that, you had Schwartzman. Rude won it in 2020. Kechinato won it in 2019. Team won it in 2018. Uh, and 2016, so team is a two-time champion. Uh, Schwartzman has made it, though, to three finals in the last four years. 2022 was the runner-up. In 2021, he won the thing, and then was the runner-up in 2019. Got buried by Cacinato in that match, 6-1, 6-2, which is kind of crazy. But still, uh, for this overall tournament to go through the odds here, uh, Schwartzman is obviously one of the favorites, but it is going to obviously be uh, Alcaraz. At minus 120, you have at 8-1, Nori at 10-1, Baez at 12-1, Team at 12-1, Schwartzman at 18-1. So Schwartzman, who has had historical success here, is at a pretty large price point. But if you've been listening to the show, you know that for the last couple of weeks, if not months, I've told you Schwartzman was washed, and he was the favorite last week in Cordoba 
And I said, it's probably going to be the dumbest favorite you've seen all year. And he lost in the first round. So Schwartzman is cooked. I have no interest in betting him at all. And I think he's fool's gold once again. But at least the odds makers have made it 18 to 1 instead of making it like 4 to 1 or 5 to 1. And I know Alcaraz being in it is a big reason for that. But Schwartzman, if he makes it to a third round at this point, I'll be happy for him because it's really bad right now. But Alcaraz is in his first tournament since uh, his injury. And as a result, there's no chance I'm taking him at minus 120. Is he the best player here? Of course. But I can't take him without knowing how healthy he's going to be and if his body will hold up for the entire event. And we have seen him lose on occasion or make uh, some matches difficult. And I once again wonder if Alcaraz's body will hold up. Musetti, for example, did beat him last year in a final. So I know Musetti is good enough to beat him on clay. Musetti is the interesting option here for me if I was going to pick a favorite because it's around 8-1, to one, and he really is a very good clay player. Now, the problem is with the one-handed backhand, his strokes can get a little bit wild at times, and you might see him start spraying the ball over the court. But I think Musetti, though, does have a game that translates well to Buenos Aires. He's not afraid to hit a bunch of winners. He's also capable of showcasing his movement on the clay. I see 10-1 to one on... Uh, Musetti compared to the eight to one I mentioned a second ago. Give me the ten to one. I think that's a great price. I see Nori at eight fifty. No chance I'm taking Nori. Nori definitely is better on hard court and on grass. He's not exactly a great clay player by any means. I understand the odds because he's still a fringe top ten player, but. I can't take him on clay at 850. I think that's a horrible deal, and I'd rather take Musetti. Uh, but to look at Musetti's recent form, just to pull this up quickly. Sorry, give me a second. Um, okay, so Musetti does not play tomorrow, so I'm actually going to have to search it up manually. But Musetti, uh, to look at his recent results, he has been um, okay. I mean, he hasn't played a clay match yet. The season lost in the first round of the Australian Open in five sets to Lloyd Harris. Uh, in a super breaker there. So maybe you might see a bit of Russ. He does face off against Katchen in the first round. Katchen, I don't think, is particularly good. You can argue, though, that since he is Argentinian, maybe the crowd gives him a spark. But I think Musetti should be able to get the job done in that match. He's around minus 300 and hopefully gets his legs underneath him and performs well. But Musetti at 10 to 1, I think, is a great deal for a clay. I don't want to call him a clay specialist, but Musetti's best service is definitely on clay. I think there's value there. So give me Musetti at 10 to 1. Besides that, uh, I do want to look at Musetti's draw, uh, which I have right in front of me. So starting off with uh, Musetti here, um, he faced off against Katchen, then would face off against either Molkan, Team, Varius, or Souza. Musetti should be favored in any of those matches. Of course, Team might seem scary because it's clay and we know how good he was in the past. He's not the same guy. And Team was one of my favorite players. It's upsetting. The forehand has really not recovered at all compared to what it was before the injury. And I can't pick Team to make a run here. I just can't do it. But I do think that Musetti has a very good path in order to actually get into the semis. And then you're looking at past that. He's on the opposite side of the bracket as Alcaraz. So Musetti would have to face off against probably Nori. But Norris face off against either Coria or Acosta and then potentially Ramos Vinolas. Uh, so pretty good clay players. And Norrie's definitely not the best on clay. Norrie might be on upset alert. We'll see what happens there. But the fact that you get to avoid facing Alcaraz until the title match and the fact that Alcaraz hasn't played in a tournament for a while, 
I think definitely pays dividends for Musetti. I got to take Musetti as a result. I think that's definitely a great price. And Musetti to win the quarter is going to be a pretty decent price here, a plus 140. I don't mind it. I think he's in a pretty favorable draw. So I like Musetti to make a run. As for the outrights in this event, I mentioned Musetti already. If I want to make a case for Baez, the issue is fatigue because I really like Baez the player. He won the title of Cordoba. The problem is you're looking at the fatigue angle and the fact that Baez does have a pretty difficult draw because he's faced off against Lahovich, which isn't easy. He should end up beating Galan or Carabelli, but then he'd face off against Alcaraz in the third round, and I think that's pretty difficult. Uh, Alcaraz maybe loses to Dejir, so keep an eye on that, but I don't think I can take Baez, fatigue angle, followed by facing off against Alcaraz in what would be a quarterfinal match is not ideal, so I'm going to pass on Baez. I think if I was going to go for another outright, it would be somebody on the bottom half of the bracket just to avoid Alcaraz entirely. And as a result, I think I'm going to go with Ramos Vinolas here at 20 to 1. 20 to 1 is a very good price for a guy that's had a lot of clay success. And we gave out Ramos Vinolas last week. He was good. Unfortunately, he ended up blowing the second set against Coria. And he might have beaten Coria because Coria was kind of battling an ankle issue there at the end of the second set. But Ramos Vinolas is a guy who is a clay specialist. And he definitely has the game to make a run here. And you're looking at his draw. I mentioned it a second ago, but to focus more heavily on Ramos Vinolas, he'd have to face off against Baina. I think he should win that one. I believe he's up in the head-to-head 6-3 against Baina in their careers. Then most likely Delian, if I had to guess. Uh, Delian just made his furthest ATP run as he made the semis. So I wonder if fatigue's going to be an issue. Uh, maybe he loses to Echeverri because Echeverri the, has the home crowd behind him. But the point is, Ramos Vinolas, I do think is good enough to make a deep run. And I think the fact that he gets to avoid Alcaraz entirely until the final definitely pays dividends. You know, if you also remember, Ramos Vinolas also took Alcaraz to five in the French Open, and he actually had a couple of match points. So I do think Ramos Vinolas is capable of giving Alcaraz serious problems on clay. I'm not saying he's going to win, but I think at 20 to one, it's a very solid price for a guy who has a ton of success on clay in his career. I see 22 to one just shopping around quickly. So give me Ramos Vinolas also at 22 to one. I think that's basically going to be it. I wanted to make a case for Munar and maybe my case would be in the actual quarter for Munar because I think he's got a pretty favorable draw, but I think for the actual outrights, I'm not picking Munar to win the event. So I think those are going to be my two outrights. I'll keep it relatively short, but I do think at the end of the day, uh, just to look at Munar's uh, path, because I was tempted by that quarter draw look. Uh, so looking at Munar, he already beat Guido Pella. He'd face off against Hoffman or Sarundolo. And Sarundolo, if you remember, uh, retired mid-match against Coria last time out. So I kind of wonder about the fitness level of Sarundolo. Then he'd have to face off against either Zapata Marias or Diego Schwartzman. Marias had one of the funniest matches of the year in the first round against uh, Pedro Martinez yesterday, as there were 26 total games in the match. And in those 26 total games, there were 18 breaks of serve. Both players held for a combined total of eight times. So I think that that's entire quarter's up for grabs. But Munardo in the quarter is at plus 300. I love those odds. Munar's a clay specialist. Yes, I know he hasn't exactly played many clay matches recently, 
But I do think the draw is definitely there for the taking. And the fact that Schwartzman, who I mentioned, is basically being washed, has matched up against Zapata Marias, who's also a bit streaky in his own right. Munar, though, is good on clay. He did beat Guido Pella, which I definitely am... I don't want to say impressed with because Pella's not great, and I believe he's won one ATP match in like five months. But still, he beat a hometown guy, and he won in straight sets, so hopefully Munar can keep it rolling. Munar at plus 300 to win the quarter, though, might be one of my favorite outrights uh, for this episode. Three to one is really a great price when you really just analyze who's in the section. Schwartzman, I talked about being the favorite Good luck to him. He's. I don't think he's making the semis. Uh, you have Sarundalo, who once again retired last match, and Hoffman's a serious long shot of 14-1. to 1. Munar at 300, and he's already won a match in the section, I think is definitely a serious benefit since Schwartzman hasn't... Uh, well, Schwartzman had a bye, so you can already make an argument, though, that if Zapata Marais beats him, Munar would be favored against Zapata Marais. I would make that argument. I think Munar might be favored against Schwartzman because Schwartzman has really been that bad in 2023. But give me Munar at 3-1 to one to win the quarter. And I think besides that's going to wrap it up for the outrights. I'm not picking Munar to make a deep, deep run into the final. But I think that him to win the quarter definitely has some value. So once again, uh, my future picks for this uh, Buenos Aires tournament are going to be on Musetti at 10 to 1 and I will take Ramos Vinolas at 22 to 1 and that's going to be my main two options. And I'm moving on to Del Rey. Actually no, I'll, I'll go through some of the other quarters uh just to briefly go through it. Uh Alcaraz is minus 250 to win the quarter. 0% chance I take that. That's just a horrible deal. If I was going to pick anybody, I would consider taking a lean with Lahovich at 22 to 1 to win the quarter. Lahovich is good enough on clay to potentially make some noise. Is he going to win? Probably not. But 22 to 1, I think, is a decent price. Uh, so I'd lean there for the first quarter if I wanted a serious long shot. Second quarter, I mentioned Munar. Third quarter, I'm taking Musetti at 140. And fourth quarter, uh, Nori's at 120. No chance. I would take Ramos Vinolas at 350. I think that's a good price as well. So. Decent amount of plus money plays. I'm not taking many favorites to win their quarters uh, just because it is clay, and we know how crazy things can get in clay tournaments, especially if you're a favorite to win a quarter with a lot of good clay players in that section. But Nori has to deal with Ramos Vinolas, and Corey is good on clay, and Delian's good on clay. No chance I'm taking Nori. So give me uh, Ramos Vinolas at 350 as well. Uh, now looking at Delray Beach, time to move on to the final tournament for the episode. Uh, you have Fritz as the favorite at plus 275. Tommy Paul at plus 350. You have Shapo at 6 to 1. Nishioka at 650. Kekmanovic at 12 to 1. Wolf at 14 to 1. Shelton at 14 to 1. Borges at 22 to 1, Giron at 22 to 1, McDonald at 25 to 1, and that's basically it. No offense to Jack Sock and company, but I don't see any serious long shots winning. Uh, to go through uh, just a comparison for odds, though, I want to see if I can find anything better on some of these guys. I'm um, just pulling it up really, really quickly. So, starting off with the favorite, I see Fritz at 350. So once again, shop your lines. You just picked up an extra 75 cents by shopping around. Uh, but to look at the outrights that immediately catch my eye, Wolf burned us against Isner in the semis. I'm still annoyed he couldn't convert any of those five breakpoints. Wasn't his fault because Isner literally had five aces on the five breakpoints. But that's a match you really, I really wanted Wolf to win that one. I thought he was quite live to win the tournament at 14 to 1. I'm worried about fatigue for Wolf, so I'm not going to pick him. Uh, to look at the brief 
breakdown, by the way, of the history of this event. Uh, the winner has typically been a very, a good server. Now, that's two of the last three years. Uh, Nori did win it last year, but Opelka made the final. Uh, you had Herkaz, who won the year before against Korda. Opelka won the year before against Nishioka. Radu Albert randomly won this event in 2019, which I would not have known. Uh, Tiafa won in 2018. Sock won in 2017. Uh, Query won in 2016. So Americans have won four of the last seven. However, they've only won one of the last four. Uh, there, there has been an American in the final, though, in... Uh, let me just make sure I got this right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, yeah, just double checking. Sorry. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. So in seven of the last eight years, there has been an American in the final. So if you want to go with an American, it's actually going to be the first outright I'm going to pick. I'm not going with one of the favorites here. Fritz ended up losing a very tough match there to Yibbing. Shout out to him, by the way. Didn't give him his flowers for winning his first ATP tournament. Congratulations to him. But Fritz's movement wasn't great. And he had a couple of great opportunities. I believe Yibbing saved nine breakpoint chances for Fritz. And Fritz didn't break him in the entire match. Uh, but I don't exactly trust Fritz's movement at the moment. So I'm not going to pick him. Tommy Paul, I like. I know he made the pretty good uh, deep run there to the semis of the Aussie Open. 350, though, that's a little bit low for Paul. I'm not going to make a case for that one. Shapo's a head case. I'm not picking him. Nishioka was a runner-up here, so maybe you can make a case for Nishioka. But 650, I'm not sold on. I'd rather take Nishioka in the 10-1 to range. I don't think 650 has much value. So moving down the line, I think you might know where I'm going with this one. I'm going to take another guy who made a pretty deep run in the Aussie Open, He's also a big server, which has translated well to these courts in Delray. I'm going to take Ben Shelton. I think Shelton was in very good form in the Australian Open, ended up losing to Tommy Paul, of course. But I do think that if you're looking at his overall draw, Shelton's path is really not that bad. If you want to talk about who he's most likely going to face, uh, just pulling it up quickly, face off against Giron in round one which could be difficult, but I think Shelton's good enough to beat Giron with the serve disparity. Then Jack Sock or Pekotic. Uh, Pekotic, uh, uh, I don't really know as a player. Sock had a nice win against Avashka by uh, last tournament, but he's still not clearly in good form. Shelton's serve, I think, will give him problems. But you're looking at those matchups and then probably facing off against Kekmanovic, and then he'd face off in the semis hypothetically against Tommy Paul and he just faced Paul. So maybe he can get revenge there if Paul makes it that far, but you're looking at the odds for Shelton and Shelton to win this tournament is 14 to one. I think there's value there. I just think that with the success that Opelka's had here and the success that Herc has had, and I mean, you're going down the line once again, Opelka won this event, made the final another time. You have good servers. Rayonich made a final here in 2017. Query made a final in 2016. Karlovich made a final in 2015. A lot of really good servers, and I think Shelton's a great server. So I think Shelton's got value at 14 to 1. I would make a case for him. If you want to go for a quarter, Shelton is plus 275. I think that's a bargain. Uh, Kekmanovich has been horrible recently, and he's plus 175. He's the favorite. But Shelton had the five-set war against Borges in the U.S. Open, I believe, uh, which Shelton lost in five, I believe. But the point is, I do think that a plus 275 for a tournament where big servers have done well, I think that's a great price. So give me Shelton, 
at plus 275 to win the quarter and give me Shelton to win the event at 14 to one. Now looking at any other people that I'm tempted by, I really don't see much. I want to make a case for a long shot. I think if I was going to make a case for anybody, it would be Mackenzie McDonald. I know he's battled some injury issues, and I know that Tiafo buried him in Dallas in his last match. But McDonald's been good, and I do think if you want to go with the American angle, taking two Americans is not a bad approach. Uh, the pro- uh, Just the actual draw quickly for uh, McDonald, just to pull this up. So McDonald does have to face off against Taro Daniel in round one, then face off against Nishioka in round two, then Chapo potentially in round three, and then potentially Fritz in round four. I don't think I can take McDonald. I just don't see much value there based on how difficult the path might be. So I think I'm only going to go with one outright, which is pretty rare for me. Usually I give out at least one favorite followed by a long shot. I, I am tempted by Nishioka, but 650 is just not doing it for me. So I think the only play I'm going to have here is Shelton at 14 to 1. And hopefully his serve can win him a bunch of tie breaks and hopefully he can get through. So that's going to wrap it up for the actual outrights here. Uh, briefly, actually, I will look at the quarters. Fritz at 170 is minus 175 to win the first quarter. No chance I'm taking that. Wolf is plus 340. Eh. Maybe Avashka at 16 to 1 if I wanted to go for a long shot. Second quarter, I don't see much value. I think it's either going to be Shapo or Nishioka, so pass. Give me Shelton in the third quarter. Fourth quarter, I think it's going to be Paul. I, I'm looking at that quarter. It's pretty rough. Eubanks, Albert, Kudla, and Verdasco. Paul should really just cruise into the semis. So that's going to be my thoughts for the quarters. But now it's time to get into the lock and dog picks. Before I should get into any of that, do want to take a quick word from our sponsors brought to you by WinBet. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are a ton of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays, a.k.a. WinBet's Build Your Own Bet. Great promos, odds, and pads are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100 and get an extra $100 limited state availability. And of course, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit. So much to choose from. And all you have to do is head over to sportscampodcast.com slash winbet. So they know we sent you the sportscampodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T. Offer subject to change term conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished pre- uh, previewing the three tournaments for the upcoming week in the ATP in Rotterdam, in Buenos Aires, and in Delray. But before I get into the lock and dog picks, do you want to briefly recap once again my outrights? I realize that I usually do it before the the ad break, but I realized I forgot to. So to go through my outrights just to win the event, I know I had a couple of quarter bets too. So keep an eye on those. You can rewind the podcast to find that. But to look at the outrights, starting off in Rotterdam, I am going to go with Rune. I'm going to go with Felix, and I'm going to go with Quan as my long shot. Looking at Buenos Aires, I have Musetti at 10 to 1, and I have Ramos Vinolas at 22 to 1. And my only pick for Delray is going to be Shelton at 14 to 1. Now, time to move on to the actual lock and dog picks. We ended up sweeping the last episode, so hopefully we'll sweep it again. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go to Buenos Aires, and I'm going to take a guy that I actually picked to win the tournament uh, as a 
decent price there in Buenos Aires, but I am going to go to the Ramos Vinolas match taking on uh, Baina. And for this matchup, I am going to go with Ramos Vinolas in the money line at minus 134. You're looking at the head-to-head matchups. It is 6-3 in favor of Ramos Vinolas. Eight of those nine matches were on clay. Uh, the one match that was on hard court, Baina won, which means that Ramos Vinolas is 6-2 and two straight up on clay courts in their careers. On top of that, they have not played on clay since 2019, but Ramos Vinolas did win both. And four of the five sets that were played between those two, Ramos won in eight games or less. So there were a couple of blowout sets in there. So maybe you can look at the spread as well if you want to make a case there. But I'm going to play it safe. I'll take the money line. I think Ramos Vinolas is definitely capable of blowing a set. We know that in Cordoba, he was kind of playing with his food a little bit, would win the first set, then punt the second set, and then rally to win the third again. Did it against Souza as well. But the point is, I think Ramos Vinolas is just a better clay court player. Baina was in a very tough match against Apata Marias in the first round of Cordoba, which he fell short in. But the point is, I think Ramos Vinolas is just the better player on the surface, and the fact that he's dominated the head-to-head 6-2 on clay Minus 134, I think it's a good price. Uh, Give me Ramos Vinolas on the money line as my lock. And for my dog, I'm going to take another guy that I mentioned in several outrights, whether it involved the full tournament at 50 to 1 or the quarter at 8 to 1. I am going to look at Quan in his matchup against Zverev. And for this matchup, I will take Quan on the money line at plus 149. I think it's a great price. Uh, Both guys were pretty hit or miss in the Davis Cup leading up to. Uh, this event, but Zverev, I mentioned before, lost to Momo, and he got taken to five sets against the clay specialist, so I think that is a bit concerning there with Zverev. Uh, just to confirm, yeah, that was five against Varese. So I want to make sure. He beat Warenka 6-4, 6-1, and then got buried by Husler in his second Davis Cup match. Quan, though, ended up losing to Bergs in a third set tiebreak, 8-6, and then beat Golfen in three so Quan's in okay form. He did win an ATP event earlier this year on hard court. But the point is, I do think that Zverev is just overvalued based on his current health status and his current form. Maybe he'll piece it back together again. But I said before, he's got the same outright odds as Felix, which is insane to me. So I'm going to go with Quan, who I think is good enough to push around and potentially compromise Zverev, who's still working his way back from injury. Might not be easy, but I do think this match could go three, and I think Quan eventually does enough to win the match. So, once again, the lock is going to be on Ramos Finolas on the money line, and my dog is going to be on Quan on the money line. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Tennis Gambling Podcast for Tuesday, February 14th. We're back once again later on in the week, probably for the semis of these three tournaments. But until next time, you can find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. You can find me on the NBA Gambling Podcast. I was going to say the NFL Podcast as well, but I'm not sure what the schedule is going to be since the season's officially over. I'm sure we'll have a couple of off-season episodes, but still, you can find me on uh, Twitter, I write your radio said before, find on the WNBA gambling podcast, which should be starting up in a couple of months as the season starts up in May Propcast as well for the NBA, but until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye everyone. <laughs>